Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 69. I'm Killian Finia. And I'm Zoe Bilal Springer. This week's episode is the first episode of our 30 Days to Grow series, and we're kicking it off with the founder of Visual Sense, Marina Doyle, to discuss the power of visual merchandising in your salon. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Killian. Good morning, Zoe. So exciting. Um, it's the first Monday of 30 Days to Grow. We just kicked it off there yesterday or last night. Yes, it's Sunday. So, so Sunday, April 1st. I know it was an odd one because people were like, well, it's Easter, you know, should we kick it off on Sunday? But we worked it out. And I think the challenge wasn't too hard for a Sunday. And um, for Forest FM regular listeners, just like last year when we did 30 Days to Grow, this month we're dedicating the whole month to interviews with industry thought leaders on various topics. So it should be really, really interesting, really good month. Yeah, so every Monday we're going to discuss different topics, but we're also going to talk about things that we see in the 30 Days to Grow Facebook page as well. Yeah. So shed a bit of light onto that because um, the signups for it this year were massive yeah. and the amount of excitement in it and everything just last week alone. So yeah, <laughs> day one in, can't wait. <laughs> so today we're kicking it off then. We're bringing someone back from another event we had at Forest. Yes. So um if you were at the Salon Owners Summit 2018, you probably remember we had a few additions to the summit. So we had, as usual, the speakers, but we also had workshops. And in those workshops, we had Rowena Doyle from Visual Sense, who was talking about visual merchandising. And we just thought, why not get her back on to uh, Forest FM this time and have a proper one-to-one chat with her? Yeah, exactly. And it ties in with the 30 Days to Grow Challenge. It's all about like your product retail, how to really dress it up, how to really promote it online. Because like we were saying, you don't, you shouldn't have to be competing with local cosmetic uh, pharmacies or anything like that. You're the expert. You should be selling your, your customers should be buying your products. It's the aftercare. You already have the right aftercare for the treatments they have. So how do we push that out and make it look really appealing? So I suppose without further ado, welcome to the show, Rowena. Hi guys, how are you? Great, yeah. Pretty good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Very good. All is good. Happy Easter. <laughs> Happy Easter. Happy yeah, Easter, exactly. yeah. <laughs> um, it's been quick. It's been a quick one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just thinking of the salon summer, I'm like, how is that January and now it's like nearly April? Yeah, that's what we're saying. So we have you on the show now. It does not feel like, what, three months ago that that summit was, was the 8th, the 9th no. of January. Yeah. It's so fast. Like it feels like just a couple of weeks ago that we were actually talking to you. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Time is just going so fast. How did you enjoy your experience at the summit, actually? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, at first, because I, I was like, oh, God, that's a lot of people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, the crowd were so friendly. Um, so that made it just easier. You know, if you have to do something like that, I just saw a lot of very happy, warm faces. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I think that it was different as well. So there was yourself, there was Chris Brennan, and then there was Paddy as well. So the whole workshops thing, it brought that like engagement interaction into the summit for the first time. It, it was the first time, wasn't it? Before it was just having speakers. So um, yeah, like what you were doing was great for the, for our clients because it was getting that engagement and kind of mixing it up because when you're sitting on a chair for a couple of hours, you're just, you're bound to drift off. So it was good to get that shape and a moving. And what was it? You you did three workshops throughout the day, wasn't it? Yeah, three workshops. Yeah, uh, one in the morning and then two kind of back to back in the afternoon. So yeah, so everybody got a chance to to do it, which is good. And you're saying this is your first time to be on a podcast as well now? 
Yeah, yeah. I've been on the radio before, but I've never done a podcast, which I suppose is kind of the same thing, but yeah. Uh, no, we've we've more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> I know, you'll be great. Um, um, no, sorry, Zoe, go for it. So before we get into the nitty gritty of the subject, can you, for the listeners that haven't been at the summit, can you give an introduction to yourself? Like what got you into the field, how you founded uh, Visual Sense? So um, I'm, I suppose I started working in retail and this area when I was actually quite young. So I was actually 16 years of age, but I didn't know at the time that I was doing visual merchandising um, I just sort of fell into it so I worked in a really high-end Indonesian furniture store and um, the owner sort of said you know you seem to be doing a good job here you can look after the place so I started moving things around when they were gone buying making beautiful setups buying flowers like raiding their expense account when they're away um, I had no problem doing it I was just like I just go buy lilies that are like really expensive and literally sales just started going up and up and up and people were buying the whole like you know interior concept and saying oh let's take the flowers as well um so you know I was kind of doing it with a passion for wanting things to look as great as I could at a young age and then sort of finding my way into the business through studying in college then and then I went to work for Arnett's for quite a long time kind of doing their VM and on their VM team. So yeah, so like it was, it was a funny journey. Um, and I went traveling then to Australia, did it over there as well for David Jones. Um, and decided when I came back in the recession to start up visual sense and cause it was a lot of, there wasn't a lot of things happening in the area, but I really felt it was the right time for retailers to try to do something to help them basically boost sales in a really tough time so yeah I founded it then started it up and just sort of yeah went on the road just built built clients up and then here I still am six years later <laughs> still standing building it all up from experience as well from experience and it must have been it must have been quite a challenge to to build that up during the recession as well yeah absolutely it was kind of um it was difficult to get people to buy into it um in terms of you know a lot of people were having sale at the time so visuals weren't a priority the one thing that did go for me um was a lot of people were letting staff go at the time which is obviously not a good thing but at the time it was a good thing for us because we were an outsourced business so we weren't as expensive um so we were there to fill a lot of that um so that's kind of the route I went down kind of like we'll kind of be an add-on um so we actually got a, a big gig with Cleary's department store kind of obviously when it was open <laughs> and that was my first big kind of client and kind of once when when we got them everything kind of came after that um because once you kind of have one big name behind you everybody knows and your work yeah it's like a testimonial yeah yeah exactly so you were saying that um, kind of you were 16 years of age, you, you almost fell into this line of work. And I see how you could kind of do that. So I suppose do visual mer- uh, merchandising without realizing it, because I know from 
when I was younger and working in a shop as well, you were always told, all right, like you've got the kind of high end stuff always top of the shelf. You've got your clearance at the bottom or your basics at the bottom. You know, these kind of like simple sciences that whereas like a music playlist, even when you walk into a store, could have an influence on what you're buying. But around the visual merchandising that you were saying, like you studied in college and that you're doing now, like are there any other theories that people wouldn't, I suppose, be as aware of about display products and what are the best ways to get your retail displays to stand out, especially when you're in a salon? Um, yeah, like I think like we kind of work in, in with different, different areas and there's always sort of three simple ones that we follow. Um, so for me, number one in terms of a technique would be repetition. And I spoke a little bit about that at the summit in terms of having product that is repeated a couple of times within different areas of the of the space. So it t- tends to take people a little bit longer to process information. So usually if they just see something once, they don't remember it. But yeah. if they see it two or three times. So that like for me is always a really simple one, but actually always the most effective. Um so and kind of from there we would add on communication, which would be bigger now than it was a couple of years ago so in terms of having you know kind of a unique voice around your products and what the value of them is or what their benefits are and like really clever signage as close to the display units as you can that's a really really effective one and actually now is probably becoming just as important as the display itself mm-hmm. um yeah, and we were always telling people as well, like it's retail. So, you know, you can be a bit fun with this signage. You can always be, you know, like let people like maybe laugh at something. It doesn't always have to be very serious. So I always say to people, if it's fun or informative or a powerful message, or maybe if it's educational. So it kind of needs to fit within those categories. Um, and you just mentioned it there earlier. Um, number three for us is always your senses. And obviously very important in this industry. Um, I'm always saying to clients, like you've got to engage in people's senses. So their sight, their smell and the sound. So, you know, even more so now to think as kind of luxurious as you can. Because I suppose like like anything, like somebody like Boots can put a sticker and say like this is for testing. But like the industry of a beauty expert is to really engage people and be as kind of luscious as they can to get people to want to touch things, taste things, smell things. And as much as your senses are heightened the more likely you are to to buy things so that's a massive one so that's when you see like when you go into a shop and they give you the the tasters with the food and and things like those or even when you walk into to a spa and you've got your like those aromatherapy kits going and you just instantly feel relaxed yeah exactly exactly as much as that as you can and if you know in terms of like product you know if you want people to buy product you know, I think now, as I said, like, yes, you can have little testers out of stuff, but you've got to think more creatively Yeah. because, you know, everyone does that. Um, so if you're really a, an expert in it, you know, how can you, you know, really go out and maybe buy really special jars and make it look really kind of, you know, really like appealing. So people almost like, it's like when you, when you want people to kind of almost live in your retail space um and like even sometimes the ingredients that go into things like getting those and and using them as part of the displays that will work really well 
Well, that's a really good idea. I like that. Like if it's got different flowers in it, maybe have them on display with the product, is it? Yeah, like if there's lavender or something of lemon, like absolutely like have those in the display. Um, and just makes it so much um, easier for people to understand what you're trying to sell them. So we have the senses and we have the communication. So the communication have it like fun, informative, educational. You were saying about repetition there. What would you mean by repetition now? Is this kind of like if you're selling, let's say, a gift card, is that where you have it on like the coffee table, then have another sign at the, I suppose, the actual service desk and then at the point of sale? Is that what you mean by repetition? Yeah, like it's two kind of ways, I suppose. Yeah, it's repetition in terms of like sometimes if we're working from the facade right through to the the tail area to where people are sitting down, you could have that message done the same time. But sometimes what you see is maybe the sign's different. The product is a different color. So they might have a yellow one here and a blue. Like it's always better to stick with the same message, the same colors or the same product color. So it's kind of just repeating yourself um, and yeah, having it maybe at different touch points, you know, three or four maybe. Yeah, I suppose like to say consistency is key, isn't it? Absolutely. Consistency is king. <laughs> or king, yeah, king. So so we talked about this a bit offline earlier, but we were talking about trends and you know, sometimes it's it's easy to see trends going on in different industries and it's you're thinking, right, well, how do I bring that trend into you know, how do I apply that into my industry? Is there any current trends that could potentially work for the uh, the hair and beauty industry at the moment? Like, I think there's one big trend at the moment, and I was at a conference last week and, they, and it was brought up again. So I'm seeing it a lot, um, particularly in sort of fashion retail and like a lot of retailers, it'll probably go across all retailers. Like that use of space now being kind of almost like we want to break that rule book in retail. So it's not just for your main um, product that you sell or service that you sell, but what could you add on to that? to make people come there for that and then maybe buy your product or use afterwards. So hospitality and retail is definitely merging. Um, so in terms of like coffee shops, juice bars, um, and like that's to me sort of makes sense in the beauty world, particularly something like a juice bar. And like, I think sometimes people then like everybody does, you start to think too big with it. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, it could be done on a very small scale. Um, but it is sort of the future of it really where, so, you know, there's something else there. So I think that's a massive one. And I think, I think that those two kind of areas kind of fit together. That is an interesting one because you see like more and more the likes of especially coffee shops pop up. Like I was walking down Temple um, Temple Bar the other day and I saw it's a clothing store that's actually a coffee shop. So I suppose what I'm asking here is where's that line where you're kind of like offering extra services in your salon where you eventually get to the stage of do we do cross promotion or do we just offer like really good coffee? Do you get what I mean? So you're still a salon at heart, but you're offering other services to kind of get people in the door is it a good idea to do more like cross promotion with other local retailers yeah like you can yeah i suppose like you can you see that a lot like i mean someone like top shop do that a lot where they bring in something complimentary but more within the product line if that makes sense so they might have pop-up like jewelry brand or something um and that works well for them so you know you could look at if you're in a salon you know, there might be somebody 
in the industry or some product in the industry that sort of fits well with yours where they do pop-ups at the weekend or you know it doesn't always have to be permanent um and I would suggest to anyone to try the the more like you know slow approach to it and try different types of pop-ups you could you could do something every other weekend with somebody that could be a way to do it yeah, I like that pop-up idea because it keeps rotation on your products as well. So every weekend you you have a different display. So some people might be keen to come in just to see what new products you have. And I suppose it's kind of like taste the local. So yeah. if there's any local retailers or um, startup businesses or anything like that, and you're kind of giving, bringing them in so they have a little retail space. But it's not lost stock for you either because they take back what's not sold then. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's good for you. And then for them, it's also probably good exposure to a new customer. So, you know, it's definitely something maybe with your team, you could sit down and kind of brainstorm and see if there was potential, um, within, within maybe somebody else and, and, and go online and look on Pinterest and see if you can get some ideas, but absolutely. Yeah. Cause pop-ups are, are just much more simple, keep it more straightforward. So you have, let's say you have these, uh, the pop-up guys come into you and they set up or you have your own promotions or anything like that, that you're, you're putting together yourself. Do you have any like recommended strategies for incorporating special promotions or, um, even for pricing that tend to be most effective? Um, yeah, it's funny because, you know, pricing and promotions and, um, all this kind of area are also something that we talk a lot about because, you know, for so long there, we had a lot of um promotions and sale and you know like obviously coming off the back of the recession and then like it feels like now this sort of new retail world is developing um and i suppose the customer definitely for a lot of the research we've done is more interested in the the benefits and the value that they'll add to their lives or what's in them and the kind of healthier they are um so like we tend to think back to the communication one if you incorporate something in promotional wise, and if you're trying to do signage, sometimes that works better to be more around the actual product. And then people will now start to just buy into to it more than they used to before. I definitely think that's probably the way to go with it. You're not technically competing on price because if people want cheap products, they'll find their cheap products. They'll go to their local Euro store or Pound World or anything like that. But you're actually pro- providing quality products because like they've spent enough on the treatments in your salon. You're not going to give them cheap products to take care of it. So like that, you're not competing on the whole discount front or you shouldn't be competing on the discount front. Absolutely. Like, you know, as you said, that's people will go and find that stuff. And look, if they don't want to buy the product afterwards, um, they might the next time. You know, if somebody is at that level and spending that kind of money on on those sort of services, you know, they do care about what they use. So yeah, and I think to keep within your expertise, it nearly can be damaging to do too much promotions as well. Yeah, because then you're you're confusing them as well, aren't you? It's almost like walking in and just saying, seeing deal signs everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and people don't, you know, exactly. Like people don't really go there for that. And, you know, there's, as you said, there's plenty of other places. I mean, you can just go down to smaller like um, places and get whatever, you know, go to Aldi, you know what I mean? That's, that's a different sort of retailer. Um, But like if you're like a, 
a standalone beauticians or a hair salon or any of those, you know, that, that to me is you're seen as an expert in the industry. So your products are also expertise products as well. So, yeah. And actually I've had a client question that came in. The question was, what's the best way to post about products online? Do, do you take product shots or do you include people with the products? Like, is there any particular tips on that? Yeah, because I, I actually follow quite a lot of different brands. I'm actually, yeah, well, I'm a bit of a an online social media. That's <laughs> all the time you have to get with me off my phone. Um, but I think with somewhere like hair salons, I love when you see really happy looking clients or happy looking teams as people. And um, particularly in that area, for some reason, I think it's really engaging and you just want to, you know, you know, you're going to get a great experience there. Um, and they also have all that content. And I was talking to somebody recently about this. I think this industry um, has one of the best sort of content creations than a lot of other industries um, in terms of the, the, the products they use, the treatments they give. I just, I, I just think they definitely have um, a lot of opportunities. But it's all very visual, you know, so it's very Instagrammable yeah, it's <laughs> to a certain extent. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you have a you have a space as well, so uh, yeah. Like I, I just I think in the salon side, the people part is great. People love people, and people buy off people. So you know, if you see that kind of coming across on social media, like instantly, it'll definitely make people want to be there more than just kind of dead sort of shots. Which you know, there's nothing personal about it. I think with sometimes with the beauty shots in terms of products, what kind of is really effective? I think if a picture goes up. And then there might be two or three little um, bits of text on the visual and it says, you know, what the benefits to your skin are or whatever. But it's very fast visual impact instead of having a big load of text in the post underneath. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they're quite strong. Um, But yeah, like I think I think it's massive to even look at your own space that you have and let people do that for you. Like if you make your space as photographable as you can, like customers are going to take pictures and put it on their social and they'll kind of do that job for you. Like, <laughs> I would be going down that road, you know, in terms of like just really nice little areas or the coffee that you get or, you know, test or, you know, like people love taking pictures and putting it up. So I would be, yeah, I would look at that nearly as much if I had a salon, I would. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really good approach because you're taking it away from we're so used to seeing these fake stock photos of like, you know, that that guy in the office who's also a doctor, who's also such and such holding these products. And you're looking at it going, it's just like it's just too stocky where if you're using your own salon, your own clients, your own staff, it's way more personable. It's way more, um, I suppose, believable. And people have a more much better connection with that. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, it's, it's really just about like it's social media. So it's kind of connecting, as you said, with people and, you know, yeah, there's nothing worse than seeing loads of like stock images that, you know, you're kind of not really, you don't know anything about the business then really and and what it's like. Yeah. So you've got your, um, you've got your salon all together. You've got your stock all together. Um, 
And now you're, I suppose you're coming up with your strategy of how do we make our products visual? How do we make them really stand out? How do we make our clients want to come to us rather than go down the road to the local pound store? Um, so as a salon owner, like we always try to kind of come up with ways that they're not doing everything on their own. They're using their team. So with this one, because it's very visual, is there any sort of like personalities in your team that you would recommend to get on board with the whole visual side of it you know the way we always have like the bubbly guys then we have the more kind of like results driven sort of guys like who in your how do you identify the right people in your team to i suppose share the responsibility of this role yeah i love this question uh, because i'm obsessed in my business with people delegating to staff when, when i work with any clients because you just find great people in retail and, and usually they're just maybe haven't come forward or they're, and so I love trying to find those people. So, and I actually just had this conversation with somebody about a week ago and they were kind of taking it all on themselves as the owner. And I said to them, there's definitely someone in your team who can do this job better than you. And, <laughs> um, and, and she was like, Okay. <laughs> I'd say you got some look there, yeah. Imagine, yeah, you can imagine the face yeah. you got there. Let's just say we, we both just looked at each other for a minute, but slowly um, walked out the door. Yeah, I just went, Will, will I leave now? And <laughs> I, I knew that we were never going to get anywhere. And I could see that it was actually just making her stressed. So we went about um, finding somebody. And like, there's always someone within, particularly in this industry, who'd be creative. So for me, it's kind of like a mix, as you've mentioned some of the traits there, like they kind of do need to be creative um, and have a creative eye, but it is a creative industry. So I'd say a lot of people have that. But again, I would say, yes, they need to be a little bit strategic and, and maybe a good communicator. So I always say if there's somebody who's quite good has a good tone and voice for your business in terms of the, on the shop floor or retail space that maybe they could be the person. And it's kind of like a process of elimination. And I have to say in most cases through most industry I've worked with, you'll always find one or two really good people. And sometimes the one that least surprise you who would be like, Oh, I'd love to take this on. And they might have a really great camera and they're like, Oh, Oh, I'm, I study photography part time. And the owner's like, what? <laughs> and then all these things start to come out like yeah yeah so like it's again ask your staff like would you be interested because the way i look at this role is this shouldn't be a task or a chore this should be a fun job so so i suppose finding your team who is really interested in actually doing this and making it look good don't turn around go to someone you have to do this or this is your job to do it because then they're not going to enjoy it and that's going to i suppose you know when you like I suppose the emotion through the products. Yeah, yeah. Like you'll notice that from the way that they've, someone who doesn't want to do it, you'll notice that they didn't enjoy doing it from the way they've laid it out compared to someone who's actually having fun doing this. Definitely. And you're kind of, it's like anything, if you're doing something, it's sort of forcing a person to do it and it'll never end well. Um, And then there could be somebody watching in the sidelines who would love to do it. So yeah, absolutely. Like you really need to, find the right person because like what a great job to do and as you said so much fun so they really they really really need to love it and if they do then they'll just go beyond your expectations with it I'm thinking this off the top of my head but like do you have any um brands or even other visual merchandisers that possibly inspire your work and salon owners could even learn from 
yeah, there's so many, isn't there? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I spend a lot of my time on Pinterest, people. <laughs> so yeah, like I love, like I definitely think, and I say this to clients in like home or fashion, like or and Sally, you should sometimes look without uh, outside your industry, um, definitely, because sometimes you can get just ideas that you can try and adapt to your own. So I mean, but within your industry um i follow the um the dry bar the american uh you know it's just blow blow dries only so they have an amazing visual identity and i love i always use their product displays on my presentations because they're always so well laid out um and they follow a really good process um in terms of the way they um use all the different variants of merchandising so I use them a lot, actually. Um, Topshop are a big one I follow for for like trends with customer service, customer experience, visual identity, pop-ups. Like they create very new ideas very fast. So they're always kind of ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, you know, they were the first, you know, when we talk about this pop-up, they did, you know, that like nearly two years ago and people are only doing it now. So I think they're a really good one doesn't matter what industry because they they end up using lots of different like they've done like makeup pop-ups you know what I mean so I think from a retail point of view they're a good one to follow um and I don't know there's um story which is a shop um and they basically change their layout every month to a completely different uh style so the whole store changes so they treat it almost like a magazine like it's an amazing concept. That's um, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They're like for right now, I think anybody should be watching what they're doing. So they'll have the whole place in one team and then you could go in a month later and it's completely different. Like it just, you know, for them, it is that kind of, you know, they have a lot of the same kind of clients coming through um, in this particular area. So, I mean, people must just feel they're going into a brand new space every time. And they do lots of different products. Like they have some beauty, they have fashion, they have home. So they have everything. So it actually does look like a magazine, to be fair. <laughs> that's, a, that's an absolutely brilliant idea for client retention as well. Because if I knew that that's what you were doing, that every month you're changing your theme, I'm going to I'm going to want to come back and see what the next month's theme is going to be. I'll get my hair cut done a lot a lot sooner. Yeah, absolutely. A lot more regular. Like it's like yeah, like if you if you're always the same, like you know, people just get a bit bored and they just or they just kind of become like your like a mundane customer just coming in now and then all of a sudden they might just find themselves somewhere else. Um so I think it's a really like I would follow them and I would look at ideas that they do and take it from a big perspective or a small perspective in terms of even the way they change the location of their tail sometimes just to try, just to keep it more exciting. Like that's such a simple thing. Um, but obviously when they started their strategy, they made sure that that was movable and so that like basically people wouldn't like go to the same place and they could use the walls differently. So yeah, it's very good. I really like that answer there. I really like the idea, the whole idea of look outside your industry. It's such a, it, it's just something that we're always going on about because even in your own day to day, if you're just focusing on what other people in your industry are doing, eventually the industry is going to flatline nearly because everyone's just copying each other in that one little click or that one little circle. 
where by looking into under industries, there's always innovation, always new developments. Yeah, you'll get you'll get way more. Um, you'll get a lot more ideas. I think for anyone in business, like, I, I mean, I know myself as well, like I don't try to look too much at what other kind of styles of my business. I try to look at completely different businesses as well. Um, and once you start to get into that, you start to kind of get, oh God, actually we could try something like that. And nobody else, as you said, is doing that within our, um, within, within our group. Yeah. So like some really good information there. And I think it's some brilliant stuff to really kick off the 30 days to grow this whole visual merchandise. Uh, sorry, this whole visual merchandise. And I keep saying marketing. I don't know what's going on there today. <laughs> People call it that as well. <laughs> yeah, because it is kind of, it is essentially marketing at the same time as well. Yeah, it's essentially like we, we'd use the word visual marketing as well, visual identity, because it's, it's all kind of merged together now. Like it used to be sort of one separate role within a, within a, somebody like a big, like Selfridges used to have that person as one, two, three different people, but they're all in the same kind of team now. It's all the sort of same people because, you know, it's all just, uh, it's all just visual, really. Yeah. Like you look at the windows of um, Macy's and stuff in America, like it's always changing. Um, so for anyone, especially in this week that our theme is visual merchandising or marketing, um, do you have any, like, I suppose, quick get started steps or next steps from here for anyone that is looking to change it up a little bit? Uh, yeah, like I think, I think I said this at the summit Um, what we get people to do a lot of the time is take photographs of your space um, and print them out and go and look at them with maybe someone from your team, like the person we talked about earlier or, or someone else, it doesn't matter, or maybe not someone, even somebody else that doesn't work in your salon um, somebody's opinion that you trust and look at those photographs and then look at your kind of your VM and your visual marketing from that perspective. Not so much when you're in the space because you're totally distracted by everything that's going on. And I think when people do that, they see a very different um, view of their space. So I think it's a good, simple thing to do. It doesn't take that much time. Um, and again, maybe like, you know, finding somebody in the business and sitting down with, with your team. And if you can pinpoint someone who would love to even try it, I think is a really good plan. So you recommend let your own staff kind of just come up with their own new ideas and just, I suppose, A-B test stuff. So like, what's the worst that can go wrong? Today, the display looks like this. Next week, the display looks like that. Just, yeah, and make a, make a, get them to make a little plan. And like we always say to people, like just measure it as well, like in terms of sales, because, you know, if something works and you sell product, then you have somewhere to start. I'm just thinking you could nearly have, um, so your staff members, so the guys who do want to take this on as a job or responsibility, you could nearly do like um, an incentive with this. So if it's Mary taking charge of it this week, what sales does she get? And if it's Jessica doing it next week, what sales does she get? So could do a little like gamification bit of competition going on there. Yeah, of course. Like all competition is good. Healthy competition. <laughs> once, it, once you keep it healthy. Julian <laughs> loves the competition. <laughs> I love a, love a bit of a competitive. competitive. Yeah, <laughs> can't even say the word. Yeah. Good teams will love um, that approach. Like if they're a strong team, they love to just um, have something like that. Maybe there's a pin board out the back of the, 
you know, where their staff area is or, or offices and they might put their pictures up on that and to kind of keep a, like a storyboard of everything. So we say that to a lot of clients, especially in the retail, like we're not always the most creative and visual. So I always urge people to get a big, massive um, pin board and just get images that they like or aspire to that they, even if they can't do it right now, but they might do it in six months or a year and pin them all up. Um, and that just keeps people thinking about it and motivated about it. And yeah, gives you kind of aspiration. You could even use the little save, um, the save option in Instagram where you can save photos. Yeah. Just, just keep, keep it on your like agenda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are those things they call? Is it like a brand board or a creativity board where like that you just take colors, pictures, inspiration, and you just like, very similar to what you're saying there, but you're just kind of pinning it all to the board and you're coming up with your whole plan then, isn't it? Is it a brand yeah, board yeah, or something? Exactly. Whiteboard? Yeah, yeah like a... <laughs> totally brand board, visual board. It's a board yeah. with a lot of images. <laughs> yeah, it's a board with a lot of images. Um, and they can be fun too for the staff to to, to do. Um, and like as well, if that person who you kind of identified on your team, they could kind of start it off and yeah, kind of gives them like almost like a focus of what it's all going to look like. Because sometimes people will, you know, they'll have all these ideas, but to actually put them into, you know, to start them off, they might need to just get it all out somewhere. So that can actually work for for a lot of people. Well, listen, Rowena, that's absolutely brilliant. There's some loads of information there and it's definitely good for kickstarting this uh, 30 Days to Grow campaign. I, I was about to say competition again. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with me? <laughs> um, and it was great to get an insight to what you were actually talking about in the workshop at the Salon Owner Summit. There's a lot of information there. <laughs> no, but it, it's, it's great because um, it's an area that I think that a lot of people feel a bit intimidated by, um, especially if they don't really know how to go about it in the first place. So, uh, no, I think I think this is going to be a very, very helpful for many, many people. Good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> well, thanks very much. Thanks a million. So that was Rowena Doyle talking about the visual merchandising and just covering a bit more information to what she'd already given you from the workshops in the Salon Owner Summit. So it was good to get her on the show and just share all of that knowledge with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it kicks in at a perfect time on uh, week one of 30 Days to Grow Retail Week. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know about 30 Days to Grow, we've been talking about it for quite a few weeks now, but essentially it's started on April 1st, Sunday. And every day for 30 days, um, we provide you with a simple and ex easy to execute challenge that's designed to get your clients coming back in more often, spending more. And along the way, we provide you with exclusive tips, ideas, templates on how to accomplish each of the tasks. So if you want to join, it's not too late. We're at the very, very start of the challenge. You can join on www.30days2grow.com and that's uh, 30 and 2 numeric um, so if you want to register there it's free and we'll get you all the details through email so unless you have anything Killian on your side yeah it's just uh, pretty much the standard if you have any feedback feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or on Stitcher we're always looking for suggestions on how to improve the show so have a wonderful week good luck with the retail and we'll catch you next Monday all the best 